so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. And I just thank you, Ryan, for being here. We've missed you, brother. Um, we haven't got to have you in service for a while. Thank you for being back with us. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you, guys. Uh, I just, there's so much I'm thankful for. You know, and Easter's a time that really just kind of focuses our attention on that thanksgiving to God because I'm thankful for, for our church. I'm thankful for our church family that, that man, you, you, so many of you are serving this weekend and, and setting the table for, for our community to come in and hear the message about Jesus and experience his resurrection. I'm thankful to be a part of church that's engaging in the community to, to, to serve and get out and do things and make it not about us. Um, I'm also just, you know, let me just say thankful, thank you to my core team. If you're a core family here, just let me just focus in on me for one second. Um, thank you for your help with getting the loft uh, going. I know we were working on that at the end of the year. We start construction on Tuesday for you guys. So yeah, it's exciting, y'all. I'm excited. It's progress, just like probably like four to six weeks or in COVID time, four to six months, and, and we'll have that sucker finished. I mean, you know, but I, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for the cross. I know that that sounds hard to say when you think about the brutality of the cross, but I'm thankful for the cross because without the cross, I don't have forgiveness. I don't have redemption for my sin. I don't have a way of being connected with God. And I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the resurrection. I'm thankful for Jesus. And, and you know, the resurrection, if you start backing that up, you, you don't have resurrection without death. And you don't have death without life. And Jesus lived a life that was perfect and he was sinless. I mean, he, we, we see in the term of scripture, Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus is God wrapped in flesh. He was born and he lived a life that was a perfect and sinless life because, because he was God and he showed us how to live and how to, how to follow God, how to follow the Father and submit his will to the Father. He poured for three, three years into the lives of these disciples, these men that were not the most educated, not the best spoken men. They were just, they were, man, they were just straight up submitted to following Jesus. That's all he needs from us. And he pours into them and then he goes to the cross and he, on that cross, he laid his life down so that he would take the punishment and absorb the wrath of God. Listen to me. He took the punishment and the wrath that our sin deserves on himself. And then he was laid in the tomb and he was resurrected. And see, when you think about just the cross by itself, it's brutal. But that's Friday, right? I mean, Sunday, he walked out of the tomb and I'm thankful for that because when he walked out, here's what he did. He walked out as our living hope. He walked out showing us that he is the Lord over life and he's the Lord over death and everything in between. And nothing, nothing we can do would ever him say, I didn't do this for you. He did it for us. And there, there's great hope in that. But if you're like me, you know, you can build expectations and those expectations create hopes. And when it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen, that, that creates a disconnect, right? And we start to lose hope. Um, and, and, and we just kind of get in this mindset where, where I, just, I just don't 
like the way God's working in my life, or I don't see him working in my life, you know, and, and he's not doing things the way I want him to do it or how I want him to do it. And all of a sudden we start kind of dealing with disappointment in God and, and that affects this hope, this living hope. I mean, there, there's two men that I want you to look at this weekend um, in Luke chapter 24. Um, these are two men that, that had a, a different experience with the resurrection on Easter. Their Easter Sunday was a little different than ours. And uh, it starts out in verse 13. It says, that very day, that's resurrection day. So Jesus was crucified on Friday. On Sunday morning, he rose and walked out of the tomb. And, and it says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven miles in Jerusalem is like 38 miles here. I mean, just... just a month ago, Heather and I were walking around Jerusalem, and, and the, the way that the terrain of that country, it, it's, they could literally say we walked uphill both ways. You know, I grew up and I walked to school uphill both ways, and I had to fight a bear with my spiral notebook, you know. And, uh, but literally walking that terrain, it could have been uphill both ways. And it's a difficult seven miles. So they're seven miles from Jerusalem, and they're walking together. They had just been in Jerusalem. It says in verse 14, they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. Think about everything that had happened over the last three days. I mean, these were, these were men that had been in Jerusalem for the Passover. So they would have been there and seen everything. They would have seen everybody coming into Jerusalem and coming from the villages and coming up from the towns and coming up. And, and, and they, would have, they would have been there to celebrate the Passover, the sacrifice of the lamb, so that they could remember what happened. And uh, that the, the Passover was celebration of what God did for the people of Israel bringing them out of Egypt. So they were there for a celebration, and then they see this man, Jesus, and you're going to see later in the story, they had heard of him before this weekend, um, but they, they had seen him tried, and they had seen him crucified, and then they had seen him laid in a tomb, and they're talking about everything, you know, like that, that weekend didn't go the way I expected it. I mean, you, you have those things where you build your expectations. It didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. They're, walk, they're talking about all of these things. And then while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, this is resurrection day, okay? He's now walking with these two men on the road. You'd think God would do things different. I mean, this has hit me, the different expectations, right? That Jesus is now resurrected, he comes out of the tomb, and you would expect him to just like be hovering over Jerusalem like, I told you, you know, I told you destroy this temple in three days, I'll rebuild it, but bam, you know, and no, he, he, he's walking with two guys, and then he starts the conversation with them, it says their eyes were kept from recognizing him, we'll come back to that, but it says, and Jesus said to them, what's this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? That's Bible speak for what's up? You know, what are we talking about? What are you talking about? And they stood still. So they're walking, and then all of a sudden they stop. And it says they're uh, looking sad. Again, they're thinking, been talking and all this. And it's like, this dude doesn't know what's going on. And then one of them, named Cleopas, <laughs> said, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And see, we can read it so sterile like that. 
But you know, if we're in that situation, you're looking at this dude, you don't know, you're not recognizing, are you the, where have you been? You've been under a rock? And well, Jesus can say, yes, I have, but not anymore. <laughs> I was this morning, but I'm not now. You know, it's kind of, I, I'm not the world's greatest at checking social media, especially the private message function, because I have so many messages. I mean, I have email, I have text, and, and there's all these messengers and everything, and smoke signals and bat signals and all that stuff, carrier pigeons, all kinds of ways I get, I get messages. But I'm not the best at checking my social media, especially the direct messages, because I just opened up one the other day from Christmas, and I was like... Dude, I'm so sorry. I'm just now seeing this, really, literally. Because, and I said, "Happy Easter," which Heather told me I could never start an Easter message with "Merry Christmas." But I, you know, anyway. But it had been a couple months that I had engaged with this guy. But uh, I, and then Heather, we'll be driving along, and Heather go, "Oh, so and so did this," and so I was like, "How do you know that?" She's like, "Social media." I was like, "Oh yeah, I got to get better at that." It's kind of like this. Cleopas is like, "Jesus, have you not looked at your phone at all, dude?" I mean, this, this new, everything that's happened in Jerusalem, it's not just at the top of your feet, it's viral. I mean, they've now created ads around it. You can't watch what happened in Jerusalem without having to click through ads. I mean, come on, are you the only guy on earth? I mean, how do you not know what is going on? And Jesus says, what things? Now, the inner monologue of Cleopas and the, the other traveler, got to be, this dude is crazy, man. I think he had way too much Passover wine. Last night. I don't know what is going on, but this guy's crazy. Maybe we got, how do I do some hand signals? They're like, hey, we need to get away from this guy. You know, well, you just keep on walking. It was nice talking to you. But also you got to think about Jesus' inner monologue. He's probably saying to himself, like, watch this. You know? He's like, what things? And then all of a sudden they say to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. So, so they didn't just recognize him as a dude that got executed outside of the city. They had heard of Jesus. And there was a recognition of Jesus as, as a great man, a rabbi, a prophet. Like he was mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. They're telling Jesus what happened to Jesus. What the kicker is, is in verse 21, is what he says. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. I saw all this. This is Jesus, a prophet, mighty before God and before man, and has this, had power and authority and the dead had been raised, and the, the blind could see, the mute could speak, the lame could walk, the deaf could hear. We'd seen all of this. I mean, this is the guy that his disciples said he walked on water towards us. Amazingly, he could feed thousands of people out of nowhere, and we'd hoped he was one to redeem Israel. They put a lot of hope in Jesus. Israel was dealing with a lot politically at this time. This is, this is just a couple decades before Israel had their uprising against Rome. They were under the Roman authority, which Rome was, was the most powerful nation on the planet at that point in history. And they, there was an uprising in Rome, destroyed everything in Jerusalem, destroyed Israel. So the, the tensions were pretty high. So they're looking for a political messiah, 
We had hoped he was the one to fix it. Yep, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. So we saw him die three days ago. We hoped he was the one, nothing's happened. Moreover, this is verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed us. So wait, there's, we're seeing there's, there's a tighter connection than just two strangers walking on the road. There was a connection with the women that were following Jesus. It says, some women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman said, but him they didn't see. Okay, so they're walking back from Jerusalem seven miles, hopeless. They're sad. They're kind of kicking along the road, talking about everything that's gone on. And Jesus shows up. And he's like, what, what's up? Well, haven't you heard, man, this, this man, Jesus was crucified, and we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. But then they tell Jesus, we heard about his resurrection. We heard that he was alive. Why are they still hopeless? I really think it's because we can hear about the resurrection all the time. But until we experience it, Nothing changes. I mean, we can hear that God is good, but until we experience his goodness, it doesn't impact our life. We can hear that Jesus forgives us of our sins, but until we experience the forgiveness and the release and the freedom that comes through salvation, it doesn't change a thing. We heard about the resurrection, but, and, and we hoped he was the one, but I guess not. I mean, Messiah's popped up all the time in that day and age. So it's kind of like, here's another one. So I guess we just keep looking. And Jesus said, oh, foolish ones. It's kind of like, bless your heart in Texas, right? <laughs> bless your heart, which really we think is sweet, but it's not, you know? <laughs> if we just be honest with each other, you know, bless your heart, you look awful, you know? Kind of like, you know, never mind, I better stop there before I get, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should, shuff, should, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? He said, wasn't this supposed to happen to the Messiah? I mean, when you look at the Old Testament, I mean, we see in the prophecy of Isaiah that he's going to be hung on a tree. We, we see all of these things. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, we see prophecies about Jesus, the Messiah. He's like, wait, wait, you know what the old, you, you know the law, you know the Old Testament, you know the prophets. Aren't all of these things supposed to happen to the Messiah? And then Jesus, at the beginning with Moses, and all the prophets, listen, Jesus interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus starts telling them about the Bible. All, the, all, all of the Old Testament that they, that they had. He's like, you have the law, you have the prophets, you have all of these. Do you not see the connection? See, when I look at the Bible, every verse in the Bible leads me to Jesus. And if you want to sum up the Bible in three words, it's this. Jesus is Lord. Lord. 
Do you, do you not see? He's explaining them. He's unpacking them. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. That's Emmaus. And Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. It's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. This is Sunday. Remember, Thursday night, he was sitting with his disciples having a Passover feast. And he takes bread and he breaks it. And he gives a new meaning to the Passover meal when he says, this is my body which is broken for you. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. Listen to what it says, and their eyes were open. When they experienced Jesus, their eyes were open and they recognized him. It wasn't just like, oh, you're Jesus. You're the guy we saw on the cross. You wouldn't have seen Jesus on the cross and been able to recognize him. As Jesus hung on the cross, he was unrecognizable as a man. The brutality of crucifixion, most men never survived being nailed to the cross. But they recognized him. How could they recognize him? They had been around him before the, the crucifixion. And they recognized him. And Jesus vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the scriptures? And they rose at that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. See, I think it's like Jesus shows up, they recognize him and then boom, he vanishes. vanishes. I was wondering, where did he go? Well, if you remember, the disciples had themselves locked in a room. And Jesus shows up, he walks through the door, not, not, not through the doorway, through the door. And he says, peace be with you. Jesus had a lot of work to do. He said, look, after his resurrection, he said, I got 40 days. I got a lot of work to do to prepare these guys to get ready for the launching of the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and for everything to happen in the book of Acts. So Jesus was like, I don't have time to waste around. And so he, he is very intentional in this. I think it's beautiful that he shows up because these men, so we think they walked seven miles uphill both ways. They went 14. They had walked that day with Jesus going to Emmaus, and then they have dinner with them. Their eyes are open, and all of a sudden, they're like, man, we've just, that's Jesus. And it moved them so much, they turned around and walked the seven miles back to Jerusalem to say, he's alive. I've seen him. I witnessed the resurrection because he was with us. I, now, I didn't recognize him on the road, but he starts, he starts unpacking the scriptures. And then all of a sudden, we go, go, hey, man, you don't need to keep walking by yourself. Come hang out with us for the night. And then he takes this bread. He blesses it. He breaks it. He gives it to us. And boom, we knew it was Jesus. And everything in the Bible points to him as the resurrected Savior. They said he appeared to us. They experienced the resurrection. And when we, when we experience the resurrection, listen, that, that's what brings the hope because we know that Jesus isn't still in the tomb. That's hope. That he's Lord over life, that's hope. That he's Lord over living, that's hope. And, and when, we, when we start looking at him with, with that hope and we experience him as our living hope, then our hope, that hope gets revealed in there, right? Jesus doesn't want to keep himself hidden from us. And I started just kind of 
studying why, why, it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing why. Well, we get, we get an indication. They're sad, and they said we'd hoped he was the one. Isn't it amazing how we can let our hopelessness or our despair or our doubt or our frustrations with God or all of these things close our eyes to the very truth that Jesus is with us in the middle of everything we're going through? Jesus chose to walk with two men in their hopelessness to show that he's the living hope. God doesn't like keeping himself hidden from us. Most of the time when I struggle with seeing God, it's because I've blinded myself. Because I'm looking at my expectations. See, I I love that Jesus, when he revealed himself, he didn't do a sign. He didn't come showing up walking on water. He didn't do a miracle. He didn't didn't take that one loaf of bread and break it and feed 5,000 people before these two men. He didn't do anything crazy or any miracle. All he did was go back to the word. He revealed himself through the word of God. I find comfort in that. Because there are times I go, Jesus, would you just show me a sign? God, I need to know you're here. I need to know you got this. And we're asking for some kind of sign. When I was a teenager, I struggled with belief in God. And I I laid in my bed. I did this several times. And you'll laugh at me, I'm sure, but you've done something similar. But I would lay in my bed and go, God, if you're real, I need to know it. So if you're real, would you just elevate me off the bed about six inches? And I was like, I'm ready. It never happened. Do you know how the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God was revealed to me? It's through his word. And and he reveals himself because the word is Jesus. The word's revealing through the word. In John chapter 1, we see that Jesus, speaking of Jesus, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That is Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God. He wraps himself in flesh and he's called the word of God. And so the word is unpacking the word. When, when I want God to reveal himself, listen, I go to the word. I, I go to Jesus and Jesus is the word. And it's amazing because the Bible, it, it's not just a book for me to read. The Bible reads me. And the Bible is the truth of God, and it's the truth of who he is. It shows me his character. And when I get into that, listen, when I get into the Bible and my hopelessness starts clouding up and I get into the Bible, I don't get a sign. I don't, God doesn't raise me off off the bed. I don't see like shining angels and glimmering lights. Listen, I get in his word, and there's this, the, the hope is stirred within me. I mean, it's exactly what these two men said. They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and he opened up the scriptures? That when I get into the living, active, active, breathing word of God and I start letting the word of God wash over me and I submit to it and I go, okay, God, let your word change my heart. You work on me. It starts stirring something in me. It stirs up hope. It stirs up faith. It stirs up belief. Because it, I can get into some really hopeless situation. And listen, I go through doubts just like everybody else. I mean, we hit hard times. We hit, something happens in our life. And yeah, I go through doubts. Like, God, I thought you had this. Well, a lot of times when I say I thought you had this, it's like I thought you were going to do it the way I wanted you to do it. But listen, I've even struggled at times. Like, is the resurrected? I mean, like, I can't explain all the physical elements of Jesus coming back to life. 
The Bible says he was dead. I mean, some guys will go, well, he wasn't dead. He was just unconscious. I have a deep theological word for that, and I'll spell it for you, B-O-L-O-G-N-A. I don't believe that for a second. And when you read scripture and the brutality, even, even understanding the brutality of crucifixion outside of the word of God, listen, because we, we clean it up, and, you know, and, and, and we, the way Jesus would have been crucified, he didn't carry the whole cross, he would have carried the beam. Because the Romans would leave the vertical beam up all the time. And they would do these right outside of the city gates. And a lot of times they would call them a forest of execution. And they would leave those vertical beams up. And the, cruci- the one being crucified would carry their beam to that location. They would be nailed through, through the wrist to that cross beam. And they would be lifted up. And then their, their feet would be nailed to the vertical beam. And they would hang there until they would suffocate. That was the cause of death of crucifixion. They would suffocate. The, 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 the body would start to produce too much fluid and it would compress the heart. That's why when the soldier pierced Jesus' side, the water came out. The pericardium around the heart was full of fluid. But it was suffocation would be the cause of death. And the Romans, listen to me, the Romans would not bring death. They wouldn't take anybody off the cross. Which shows us that God was fully in control of even Jesus' crucifixion. Because the Romans said, we leave the body on the cross to rot for every person coming in as a warning. Don't mess with Rome. But we see that Joseph of Arimathea in Scripture went to the high priest and went to the Roman official and said, let me take the body down. And there's speculation. It could could have been because of his influence. And he said, he's a rabbi. We don't want to put him through the shame. Or was it, hey, the disciples. And Jesus even said that before we crucified him, that he would be raised again on the third day. And so, hey, let's get him off the cross so his disciples don't steal him. But either way, Joseph of Arimathea gave the tomb to Jesus and they laid him in the tomb. The tomb was sealed on the third day Jesus walked out. Now, I, there are times I, I wrestle with that. Like, I know you were dead. Was he, he was dead. But, 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 you know, people go, well, it was a spiritual resurrection. No, Jesus is showing up and walking with these guys. And let, let me read to you some hope I find in, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. that says, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. When we struggle in this, listen, if there's no resurrection from the dead, Jesus isn't raised. And if Jesus, if Christ has not been raised, I'm going to put this in my lap here. My faith is futile and my, I am still dead in my sins. If, if the resurrection is not real, then that's where I'm at. Verse 19 says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. It's foolishness. But the next verse starts out with a word that changes everything. But if all this is the case, then this is where we're at in hopelessness. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Earlier in this chapter, the author, his name is Paul, would tell, tell the church, he goes, look, I'm speaking to you about this gospel that Jesus Christ was handed over. He was crucified. He was resurrected on the third day according to the scriptures. He appeared to the disciples and he appeared to 500 witnesses. And at the time Paul wrote this letter, he said, some of those are still alive. If you don't believe in the power of the resurrection, go ask him. 
You can even look historically at Jesus. I mean, Josephus was a first century Jewish historian, a secular historian, and, and he, was, he was not loved by the Jews because he was a Jew, but Rome had brought him in and he was documenting, he was historically writing and documenting the exploits of the Roman Empire, the military power of the Roman Empire. And even Josephus would write about this man, Jesus of Nazareth, that he claimed to be a Messiah and had many people following him. He was crucified. And then he would write, he was seen after his crucifixion. Well, but that's just, that, so the Bible says it. And, you know, I don't know about the Bible. Listen, the Bible's true. What? But then that's history. I don't know about that. I got to experience it. How do I experience it? You get around somebody whose life has been transformed by the reality of this resurrection. Because as that living hope, we continue to get stirred up in that living hope. If you struggle with, listen, listen, you just have to take that step of faith. I mean, you can have all the historical evidence, you can have all the physical evidence, you can have all of this evidence that we seek to find, but until we take a step of faith, it doesn't change us. And there's a lot of things that keep us from that step of faith, doubt. I mean, if you're struggling with faith, I would just say you need to be at our series that's starting in a couple weeks. Matters of the heart, man. It's, it's dealing with doubt, control, comparison, guilt, um, trust issues, anger issues, which that's every one of us, y'all. So join us. It's going to be cheaper than counseling. I promise you that. But we take that step of faith. And listen, when we, when we take that step of faith, that's when hope gets restored. These men had to keep walking, and they were walking with Jesus, and then all of a sudden, boom, he opens their eyes, and Jesus, he's walking with you through everything you go through, and all you have to do is ask him to open your eyes. All you have to do is you take that step of faith. Listen, all of us have expectations of God. We'll look at things in our life and say, I hoped, I had hoped that he was the one to fix this in my life. I had hoped that he was the one to heal me or heal my family member. I had hoped that he was the one. Listen, they, they said we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And I tell you that God's always doing something bigger. We had hoped that he had redeemed Israel, but Jesus came to redeem them. Jesus was looking way beyond Israel. Jesus came to redeem you and me. He wasn't looking at, at, a, at a national level. He was looking at it on a global level where the issue is our separation from God because of our sin. And when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the penalty. He absorbed the punishment we deserve and he cried out, it is finished. It's paid in full. And Jesus is walking with you right now. Whatever struggle you're going through, even on the mountaintop, and he's, he's wanting to engage in a conversation with you in your heart so that he can open your eyes and reveal himself for who he really is, your living hope. And all that takes on your part is to take the next step as a step of faith and just say, Jesus, I trust you. Let me pray for us.
Jesus, we thank you that, that you are our resurrected Savior. I just ask you to open our eyes today to, to see you, to see you who, for who you really are, that you really are our Savior. You really were crucified and you really did raise from the dead, were raised from the dead because you are our Savior, because of your power over sin and death. Thank you for that. Thank you for restoring hope in our life. Thank you for redeeming us. I pray for hope to be restored today for, for lives that are, that are here and, and, and there. God, I just pray that you do an incredible thing. I just want to ask you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. This is just it's a moment with you and God. But I want to pray for you. And if you're ready to take that step of faith, you're ready to step into that redemption and that kind of hope, I just want you to do something. I just want to raise your hand for me. And then I'm going to pray for you. Awesome. And if that... If that's you, here's what you, you put your hand down, but here's just what I want you to do. Just in the quietness of your space, you don't have to say this out loud, but you need to, you need to speak this to God through your, even your heart. Just say, Jesus, I don't understand everything. But I come to you in faith and I ask you to redeem me. I trust and believe you died for my sin. I trust and believe that you rose again and I trust and believe that you are my hope. I trust and believe that you are my Lord and my God. In this moment, you change everything. Would you be my living hope? And I'll live my life trying to reflect that hope to tell the world about the reality of who you are and what you've done. If that was your prayer, I just want to say this welcome to the family. You're not alone. You got people around you that are not perfect but are willing to walk with you. We love you guys very much. Happy Easter.